Welcome to the Christian History Podcast, Volume 2, Chapter 8, Episode 20. In the last episode, I covered several people and places mentioned in Judges Chapter 1, with the primary focus on what's known about King Adonibizik, the Perizzites, and the city of Arad. If you missed that episode, you should really go back and give it a listen. This week, I'm working through several other places found in the same chapter of Judges. And with that, let's get started. Next mentioned in the text are the Amalekites, but I've previously covered them in Volume 1, Chapter 3, Episode 71, released in March 2019. No need for further redundancy about these enemies of the Israelites. Next, the text of Chapter 1 in verse 17, tells us that Judah went to his brother Simeon, and the warriors from the two tribes defeated the Canaanites who inhabited Zephith. After this, that city was known as Hormah, which is the next place I'm covering. First things first. Apparently, as the text indicates, the Canaanites called the town Zephith. It was only after the Israelites ran off the Canaanites that it became known as Hormah. In Hebrew, the name means either broken rock, banned, or devoted to destruction. The text of all three translations I use seem to point to the last meaning, with the footnote in the NIV providing additional clarity. That footnote reads, The Hebrew term refers to the irrevocable giving over of things or persons to the Lord, often by totally destroying them. Makes sense. This isn't the first place Horma is mentioned in the text. That actually occurred in Numbers 14, when the Amalekites and the Canaanites, who lived in that part of the hill country, came down and defeated the Israelites, pursuing them as far as Horma. A few chapters later, in Numbers 21, the place was the site of another battle between the Israelites and the locals. In that part of the text, we're told when a Canaanite king of Arad who lived in the Negeb, heard that Israel was coming by the way of Athiram, he fought against Israel and took some of them captive. Then Israel made a vow to the Lord, saying, If you will indeed give this people into our hands, then we will utterly destroy their towns. The Lord listened to the voice of Israel and handed over the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their towns. So the place was called Hormah. Note, this was at least a generation earlier than the book of Judges. But it was apparently lost to the Canaanites, or the Amalekites, or both, again, only to be recaptured in Judges. What's unknown is where this city was. Given the tribes that attacked it, and the foreign powers said to occupy it, we can narrow the location down to southern Canaan, west of the Dead Sea potentially between Beersheba and Arad, and that's it for the place. Moving along. The next several places have been previously covered, all in the first volume of the podcast. Ashkelon in chapter 7, episode 22. Ekron, one episode earlier, both released in April 2021. Bethel was several years ago, in chapter 2, episode 61 released in July 2017. Many other places are mentioned. Gaza, Hebron, 
along with the three sons of Anak. We're told the Benjaminites did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. So the Jebusites have lived among the Benjaminites to this day, setting up King David to finally drive them out centuries in the future. Though, do note the phrasing of that particular passage, and therefore the timing of all the events in that sentence, is rather ambiguous. It seems that when the book of Judges was written, both the Jebusites and the Benjaminites were living in Jerusalem, or at least in the surrounding area. The next place I'll cover is Tanuk, mentioned in a list of places that Manasseh failed to fully capture. Fortunately, unlike many of the other places in this episode, we do know a little about this place, located to the west of the Jordan River and about midway between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. It would be in Manasseh's territory, but eventually given to the Levites. And archaeologists think they have identified the site of the ancient city. Like so many other places, it was on a tell, a mound, excavated in the late 20th century. Found there were 12 Akkadian cuneiform tablets, and what was written on them was even more interesting. About one-third of the names on the tablets seem to be of a Hurrian origin, likely indicating a significant northern ethnic presence. And, apparently the site was occupied for some time, as pottery fragments that have been dated to the Roman and Byzantine eras in the Middle Ages have been found there. In the middle of this was the Islamic period when, in the 11th century, a palace was built on the Tell. In the Ottoman era, which began in the region in 1517, the town had shrunk to a mere 13 families that grew crops of wheat, barley, various summer crops, along with the raising of goats and bees. The population remained relatively unchanged through the 19th century. European explorers in that period described a small village with many buildings and covered with an untold number of pottery fragments. Below the village was a small mosque, which may have been a converted ancient Christian church. Some of the stones in the building seem to have been sourced from older buildings and were decorated with sculptures. Nearby were several cisterns cut in the rock, along with a well. At this point, actually likely much earlier, olives were being grown in the village and surrounding area. Apparently, many of the houses used cacti as hedges, a testament to the arid nature of the region. There were also tombs cut into the rocks of the hills. After the fall of the Ottomans in World War I, the region and village would come under the control of the British as part of their mandatory Palestine. By this time, the town had grown to about 100 residents it would eventually become part of the Kingdom of Jordan, at least until the Six-Day War in 1967, when it became part of Israel. And that's the village of Tanuk. Right after Tanuk was Dor. I covered a place called Endor in Chapter 7, Episode 27, released in May 2021. But this Dor is commonly believed to be a completely different place, This version is modernly known as Teldor, for the reasons you can surely guess. It's on the coast, about 19 miles 
30 kilometers south of Haifa. Its occupation goes back as least as far as the early Bronze Age, with settlement likely occurring sometime around 2000 BC, about when Abraham was living in the region. It would remain nearly continuously occupied through the Crusader period, so over 3,000 years in total. All of this likely due to its port. About that port. It's situated on a small headland at the north side of a protected inlet, the only natural harbor in this part of the coast, at least south of Tyre. Though Josephus did consider it to be inferior to the Porta Caesarea, but that place wasn't constructed until the time of Herod the Great. Dor was a place that was important enough to have been recorded not only in the Old Testament, but also in Egyptian, Greek, and Roman sources. In between all of this were the Canaanites, Sea Peoples, Israelites, Phoenicians, Assyrians, and Persians, all using the port as a connection between other ports on the Mediterranean, in Greece, Carthage, and Egypt, along with other places further flung, and of course, inland. When the Israelites arrived in the books of Joshua and Judges, Dor was likely a royal Canaanite city. It's thought an unnamed king of Dor was probably an ally of King Jabin of Hazor in his conflicts against the Joshua-led Israelites, and as recorded in Joshua 11. This passage lists out a litany of Hazor's allies, though, to be clear, Dor isn't specifically listed, meaning the inclusion is a bit speculative though it seems everyone else in the region was fighting the Israelites, so maybe not that much of a stretch. Then, in the 12th century BC, the town appears to have been seized by the Sea Peoples and was ruled by them at least as late as the 11th century BC. Joshua implies it was taken by Asher, then allotted to Manasseh. Later, during King Solomon, It was listed as an important city to the United Kingdom, all likely due to the port. After the turn of BC to AD, the 3rd century mosaic of Rehob listed Dor as exempt from tithes, since it wasn't settled by Jews after returning from the Babylonian exile in the 4th century BC. The Persians, during their period of control of the region, seemed to have improved the harbor, All of this well before Josephus leveled his criticism. But apparently their control, the Persians, of the city wasn't as solid as it was in other areas, which gets me to the next major era in their history. Around 460 BC, the Greeks, specifically the Athenians, allied with the Egyptian leader Inaros against the Persians. In order to reach the Nile Delta and support the Egyptians, the Athenian fleet had to sail south from the Greek Isles, but a non-stop voyage from the north of the Med to the south was particularly perilous. So they secured landing sites for their ships, vessels known as triremes as far south as Cyprus. Triremes were war galleys with three banks of oars to row when the winds died down. Prior to arriving in this region, the Athenians captured landing sites as far south as Cyprus, but they needed a way station between Cyprus and Egypt. The natural choice would have been on the coast of Lebanon or Canaan, 
But the Phoenician cities of Sidon and Tyre held much of the mainland coast, and those cities were loyal to Persia. But 50 miles, 80 kilometers south of those ports was Dor, laying there isolated and making a somewhat easy target. Dor had many strategic advantages for the Athenians, beginning with its distance from Sidon, the faraway city in Lebanon that somewhat controlled Dor. Also, the Athenians had a maritime empire built around their superior oared ships. Because of this, they did not need large tracts of land for raising crops and livestock. Instead, what was required was a protected coastal site with access to fresh water, protection from bad weather, and would be a hard place for an enemy to attack. Dor had a flowing freshwater spring near the edge of the sea, and to its south was a lagoon and a sandy beach enclosed by a chain of islets. Exactly what the Athenian doctor ordered, and a good place to rest a row-weary crew. Dor was atop a rocky promontory and was protected on its land side by a marshy swamp that formed what amounted to a natural moat. Beyond the coastal lowlands was Mount Carmel. The town had Persian-built fortifications. Due to this, Athens attacked and seized Dor from Sidon. After its capture, Dor would become the most remote outpost of the Athenian navy. In a couple centuries, the Greeks would come to control the greater region, eventually including the northern part of Egypt, all while the power of the Persians waned, and all thanks to Alexander the Great. A bit later, specifically in 138 BC, Dora, as it was called by the Greeks, was the site of a battle between Greek Seleucid Emperor Antiochus II Sades and a potential usurper, Tryphon. Antiochus defeated Tryphon in battle, taking control of Antioch by the middle of 138 BC. Tryphon then retreated south to the fortress city of Dor, where he was besieged. From there he escaped by sea to Orthosia and made his way to his home region of Apamea in Syria, where he was besieged again. He would die sometime in the next year with some sources claiming he was captured and executed, while others record that he committed suicide. The site of the ancient city, now known as Tel Dor, was first examined in the 1920s by British archaeologist John Gerstank. Later researchers would continue his work, including the excavation of a church in the 1980s, indicating the site remained occupied well into the AD period. At the same time that the church was uncovered, the harbor was explored, including underwater surveys. Then, between 1980 and 2000, researchers from the Institute of Archaeology at the Hebrew University directed 20 seasons of excavations. Volunteers and researchers from Israel, as well as the U.S., South Africa, Canada, and Germany, were part of the extended effort. Usually, each excavation season saw between 100 and 200 people on site, making it one of the largest and longest sustained excavation projects in modern Israel. Overall, 11 different sites were dug up, revealing artifacts from the Iron Age, as well as the Persian, Greek, and early Roman periods. As of today, similar but smaller excavations continue.
Among the things I've already covered, there were other findings. The most interesting, at least to me, which in many ways is due to the manner it overlaps with a few contextual aspects of the Old Testament text, is the production of purple dye. I dove extensively into this in several episodes in Volume 1 of the podcast. For now, just know that purple dye has been historically associated with royalty and the high priest and tabernacle, primarily due to its cost, being laboriously produced from snail shells and all. It's also frequently associated with the Lebanese city of Tyre, hence its more frequent name of Tyrian purple. But the dye was also produced in Dor, at least towards the end of the Old Testament period. This finding was uncovered beginning in 2001, so rather recently, when excavations at the archaeological site yielded a machine for the production of a purple dye solution, likely dating to the Persian and Greek periods. Also present was a layer of calcium oxide, aka quicklime. It's believed this compound served to separate the dye from the snails after their shells had been broken and the muscle removed. It's thought that the majority of the mussels used to produce dye were imported from other regions of the coastal Mediterranean. And now for a new bit, and something that I just realized, literally as I was writing this. Mussels are not kosher, meaning they were considered unclean to the Israelites. So, while the dye from the mussels was reserved for the upper-tier priest and the tabernacle, it had to be produced by people who would be ceremonially unclean. A likelier explanation is that it was produced by non-Israelites and purchased via trade. It may also explain why Dor wasn't resettled after the Babylonian exile, though that's a bit speculative, and that's the port of Dor. Next up should be Iblium, but nothing is known about this place, other than it being in the territory of Issachar, then Manasseh. It would be mentioned again in 2 Kings 9, but merely in a geographic context. There is nothing in the outside record concerning the place. After Iblium is Megiddo, which was covered in Volume 1, Chapter 7, Episode 19, released in March of last year, 2021. Guzer was earlier that year, in the same chapter. Next is Ketron, which should have been captured by the Zebulonites, but wasn't. I haven't covered it, and other than being in Zebulon's territory, nothing else is known about it. The same goes for Nehalal, except there is a modern city in Israel named after it. Asher did not drive out the Canaanite residents of Echo, but they were never mentioned again in the text, and there's nothing in the outside record. The same goes for the next place, Alab, but this city does have something in the outside record, which will save me from being boringly repetitive. Alas, though, I'm butting up against a publication deadline, so Alab will have to wait until next week. Join me then, when I'll kick off with its history. You don't want to miss it. Comments and questions can be sent to comments at christianhistorypodcast.com. As always, you can find information about the podcast on the internet at christianhistorypodcast.com. This week, 
help others to find the podcast by leaving a positive review on iTunes or whichever service you subscribe to. You can find the Facebook page by searching the phrase Christian History Podcast as three separate words. Once there, be sure to like the page so that it's easier to find later. Finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, subscribe so you get the episodes as soon as they are released and you don't miss out. Thanks for listening and have a great week.